Well, I'm excited about this next week and what the Lord is doing in our church. And let me just tell you where we're going the next few weeks as a church. Um, it, we will start at this series, which we're calling a kind of a vision series. We are radiant. The next three weeks, you're really going to kind of know the DNA of who we are and what we're going after. And so if you've been new to radiant, kind of just joined us, you'll kind of dive into really the DNA of what God's called us to do as a church. Today is a message that the Lord has really challenged me with, with our church, and really will launch us into seven days of revival. And then next Sunday, the Lord's given me a vision for um, uh, our, how we're going to strategically reach this next generation. And this is not just a message next Sunday for people with kids or grandkids. If you, let me tell you, you need to be here, because um, God has not given up on Gen Z. I believe that there is, a, there is a future. It is not an obstacle. It is an opportunity that God has given us to reach this generation. So I'm going to roll out a whole plan for that. And then Labor Day weekend, I've got a message that really I believe is going to challenge us, take us to the next level as a church. And then it gets us right into September with um, a lot of our churches, a lot of our locations adding services and, and uh, lots of different things happening. I'm going to start a series in middle of uh, September, just so you know. Um, September the 11th, it'll launch where I'm going to start a series through the book of Romans. And I'm, I'm really pumped. It's my favorite book in the Bible. And I'm, we're going to go verse by verse through it. I've mapped out 12 weeks already of this series. Like I've already outlined it. And I'm telling you, it's going to take us to the next level. It's going to create a deep love for God's word, but it's also going to challenge you. It'll be a great series to bring your friends to. And, and we're calling it bringing clarity in the midst of chaos. Because I don't know if you realize the world is chaotic. And God's word is very clear about what we should do about it. So we're going to find God's word and, and, and go through the book of Romans. And I'm really pumped. It might get, bring us in through most of next year too. But we're going to have a good time in the book of Romans. I love preaching through God's word. Hey, if you have your notes today, pull them out. I'm going to just give us a quick challenge from God's word. It's not going to be a normal ser uh, sermon that I would bring because I want to get right into baptisms for uh, people today. But as we go into this week of revival, I, I just titled today's message simply this phrase, and I want you to write down, is that we need revival. Yeah. We need revival. We need, it, we need a revival in our life. We need it in our, in our community. We need it in our nation. There is a massive issue happening right now when it comes to the, the decline, the moral decline, the, the structural decline, the governmental decline in our nation. And when you look at all the problems out there, you know something big is going on. I've had a lot of time this summer to reflect and really spend time with the Lord. And I've been really concerned. And I just, I want to talk as your pastor today. I've been really concerned with the church of Jesus Christ. Like, it, it, it seems like every week there's another scandal. There's another issue. There's another struggle. And when I look, I get very frustrated. I go, what in the world is happening? And the solution is what I'm going to talk about today. Is that the church needs to experience revival. And when I say the church, I'm talking about you. We are the church of Jesus Christ. We need an awakening in our life. I, I was actually came across a podcast I listen to pretty regularly from one of my favorite leaders, pastors, and he had a guy on there named Fred um, Marquette. And Fred Marquette is a, a he's a missionary and a missiologist, meaning he studies missions, but he's also like a futurist. So he studies trends, he studies history, and he and he kind of gives you a good pulse on what's going on in the globe. So it's an hour-long podcast, but in this, he talked about what's going on in America right now, and it, it blew me away. It shook me up. I sent it to our staff. I was like, y'all have to listen to this. This is why we're doing seven days of revival, and, and I'm going to give you 30 seconds of it right here. Check this out. We have 5,000 years of recorded history, and what's happening now has only happened 26 times before that. What is happening now? What we're seeing is the collapse of a sole superpower 
um, that has been uh, controlling the world basically through its power, keeping the peace so that the whole world can thrive. There have been 26 superpowers like this in 5,000 years. They all have a catastrophic collapse and America is on the verge of a catastrophic collapse sometime before the end of this decade. That's wow. where we're heading. Now, I'm not a doom and gloom guy. Like, you're, like if you came here today, you're like, I thought this guy's supposed to be like funny and make fun of cats. Like, I get it, that's a normal Sunday. But I want you to understand that what we're part of in our nation, there's a collapse that's happening that he gives, and he gives an hour long kind of background of it, how throughout history, God would bring a nation to power. And, and the scripture says this, Proverbs, he says, it says righteousness exalts a nation. So he brings a nation to power to bring about his, his purposes on the globe. But then something happens where, where sin comes into the equation. And, and sin is coming to the equation, and we see it, it's rampant in our world today. And so we're in this place, and we're frustrated because we see it happening, and we can see the collapse. We can see the political collapse. We can see the moral collapse. We can see the collapse within even the church of Jesus Christ. So what do we do about it? And here's why we're doing this week, because let me just say it this way. It's in your notes. Revival will never happen within the culture until it first happens within the church. So we want change so much out there, but God's challenging us to first change in here. So what is revival? Write it down, revival is an awakening of God's people to their true passion and to the purpose. And my one dream today, my one job today as your pastor is just to wake you up to say, God's got more in store for you, church. God's not done with you today, church. We need an activated, mobilized church that's awakened. Can I hear an amen? So how do we experience this? If, if there's a decline, if there's something happening, what do we do? Well, we can see throughout scriptures where the society was in collapse, that God raised up the church. And one of those times is in the book of 1 Kings chapter 8. I just want to share it with you. And it was during, during the time where Solomon first built the temple, the very first temple, the very first place of worship. And when he did, he gave this declaration and this prayer that was so substantial about what's going to happen in this society around him. And I want you to see this because when you look at what's going on in the world, you know, is there hope? And there is hope. And I want to show it to you today. It says it like this in 1 uh, Kings chapter 8, verse 35. It says, when the heavens are shut up and there is no rain. What does that mean? When, when there's no breakthrough. When it seems like we're hitting against the wall. When it seems like there's, there's nothing that's going right. You can look at it. You turn on the news and you look at that today and you go, something's off. Something's wrong. He says, this is because, and here's the solution. Here's the reason. Why is this, the issues happening? He tells us why. Because your people have sinned against you. By the way, it has nothing to do with how bad the world is. It has, it has to do with how messed up the church is. So we're real, we're real focused on telling the world how bad they are. And God's saying, no, no, no. The heavens are shut up because of the church, not because of the world. Yeah. And he says, and when they pray towards this place and give praise to your name and turn from their sin because they have, you have afflicted them, he says, then hear from heaven, forgive their sins of your servant, your people Israel, teach them the right way to live and send rain on your land you gave your people for an inheritance. Let me just break it down for you very quickly of why this is so important for us to understand that God always brings a solution when there is a moral decline when there's a struggle, he brings a solution. Here's number one, write it down in your notes this way. It's that the moral decline out there is a direct result of the moral decline in here. 
And I say it with all love and I say it with all pastoral care, but we've let ourselves slip as a church of Jesus Christ, especially in America, where we've allowed things in that we should never have allowed in. We've allowed different, different thoughts and, and lifestyles and ways of living that God is so opposite. He's like, I've given you the standard. And we've just gone to this whole idea of going, we're just going to let everything be okay. And we wonder why the heavens are shut up and the, and the land is messed up because we've let a moral decline happen. And we've got to fix this. We've got to fix this because we're walking around with a magnifying glass on the world's sin right now. You got the idea. There it is. That's so weird, isn't it? This is what happens when you're an ADD pastor. You're just like, wow. We've walked around and we're like, look how bad they are. Look how bad they are. Look how bad they are. But here's the problem is that I don't think that's going to fix the world that we're in right now. Telling them how bad they are is not going to fix the world right now. Here's what I truly believe. The world will never improve until the church puts down the magnifying glass and picks up the mirror and says, God, what is it that you're trying to change in my life right now? What are you trying to show me in my life right now that needs to change? And this is what this week is about. We are going to take seven days to say, God, search us. Do something deep in us. Let us know what shouldn't be in there so that if he can purify us, I think eventually he'll purify our city. He'll purify our region. He'll see our nation get come back to God because it's going to start with the church. And, and let me just say it this way. Whatever, whatever your feeling is about church, because people get all weird and all church. Let me tell you, God's solution for America and for the globe today is still the church of Jesus Christ. The church is still plan A and the only plan to reach humanity that God has put in place. Ephesians 3 says it this way. His intent was that now through the church, how does God do it? He does it through the church. Well, I, I don't like the church. The church has issues. The church has issues because you're in it. Because we're filled with a lot of people with a lot of problems, including your pastor. We've all got them. But it's still through the church that God wants to do. What is he going to do through the church? He's gonna, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. So God starts it in the church. This is what's so great. When God wants to do something new, he starts it with the church. So why, why did, is this message coming to us today? Because I'm just a firm believer. God still wants to do something new in our nation. He wants to do something new in Tampa Bay. He's not satisfied with a bunch of people going to hell. He's saying, you know what? I'm gonna raise up a church that'll get serious about revival. Let us be that place that says, let it start with us. I think about when I was in middle school, and you know middle school is such an awkward season for your life sometimes. It was very awkward for me. And you're always trying to be really cool and really neat, everything. So I remember, I remember I had two demonic dogs. They were miniature pinchers. They were like terrible. All right? I, don't, I don't know why people buy that kind of dog, but they're just like very hyper. And, and anyway, they weren't trained. They were crazy. So I remember going to school one day, and I'll never forget it. I'm sitting in class one day, and you're always trying to be cool and everything. And I'm sitting there, and I smell urine. Like bad. You just smell it and you're going, oh man, someone in this class stinks. Now that's kind of normal in middle school, right? You know, it's like, you know, someone hasn't learned the hygiene yet. And so I'm like, someone smells. And then I go to the next class and I was like, someone smelled there too. Really bad. Next class, someone smelled again. 
And it was just really bad. I, I got to the end of the day and I'm, tr- I'm trying to pinpoint it going, okay, that person was in that class with me too. And then that person, and I had to narrow it down to a couple different people. They were the problem. I was like, they, they just got, a, they, they got something going on in their life that's just weird. And it's messed up. I go home. Next day, I show back up to school and I smell it again. And finally, I have this moment where I realize, I think I might be the problem. I take off my shoes in the bathroom and I smell and my dogs had been peeing in my shoe. Terrible. I just wanted to get rid of those rodents so bad. And, and I remember smelling them going, I was the problem. The, I thought everybody else was the problem. I'm the one that stunk. And church, let me say it with love and care. We're all out there trying to figure out how the world smells so bad. We're the ones that stink right now. We're the ones that need the wake-up call. I'm telling you, I'm I'm as life-giving as can be. There's things in our life we've allowed in our life. There's idols we put in place. There's things that we put our heart as focused on that are not of God. And we need to take a week to consecrate ourselves and say, God, purify us and cleanse us and make us more like you. Can we be that church? So how do we do it? How do we do it? He tells us what to do in the passage. He says, when the heavens are shut up, here's what you do. He says, when you pray, he said, you're going to pray towards this place and give praise to your name and turn from your sin and the, the sin that afflicted them. Hear from heaven that your, sin, that your sins of your servants have been forgiven. Tell the people of Israel, teach them the right way to live and sin reign on their land. So what do we do? Number one, we already said, number one, I already said it right there. Number two, number two, we can't change everyone, but we can change ourselves. So a lot of you are so focused on going, I'm going I'm to change them, I'm going to change them. No, we're going to change ourselves this week. Yep. We're going to have a week of personal, spiritual revival to say this is the week that everything changes in my life. British evangelist Gypsy Smith said it this way, once asked this audience, he says, do you really want to see revival begin? And this is such a crucial quote. I put it in your notes. It's also in the Bible reading plan that we're all going to go through this week. He says it like this. He says, do you really want to see revival begin? He says, when the people said yes, Gypsy replied, then go back to your home and draw a circle around you on the floor. And then get down on your knees in the middle of the circle and ask God to convert everybody inside that circle. And when you do that and God answers you are experiencing the start of revival. So some of you need to go to Walmart today and grab yourself a little hula hoop and make a circle and just say, you know what, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna put a circle in my house and every morning I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna get on my knees in this circle and say, God, the most important thing is not to save our nation, not even saving our family, not even saving our church. Lord, change everything in this circle. Let this circle be transformed. There's something that happens when we get serious with God. What is it about my personality? What is it about my behavior? What is it about the way I'm reacting to people? Lord, let this circle be consumed. And I'm a crazy enough person to believe that if God can consume everything in that circle, then when all these little circles come back together, then we're going to be so passionate on fire for Jesus. We're going to transform the whole world for him. 
What do we do when we get in that circle, when we make sure we make that moment to say, God, this is all about you doing it in our lives personally. Here's what we do. He says, when you pray towards this place, give praise to the name, turn from your sin, teach them the right way to live. Let me break them down for you very quickly. First thing you're gonna do in that circle is you're gonna pray. You're gonna pray. And I'm gonna challenge you on your prayer life. How is that? How is it in your moments with God? And that's why we have these moments. We've done 21 days of prayer. We've done 40 days. We've done seven. This is our seven days of, of revival. And what we're gonna challenge you with is create a habit of prayer of reigniting your prayer life and your time with God. So when you show up to all of our campuses at 6 a.m., which Monday through Friday, we've never done this throughout a whole week, all every morning. Every morning, 6 a.m., you're gonna show up. And you're gonna be there. And what are we gonna do? We're gonna sit there and get before God and we're gonna reignite that passion and say, God, God, we're gonna learn to pray. We're gonna learn to connect with you. I don't know how to do it. We're gonna help you with it that day, that time. And, and then on 8 a.m. on Saturday, by the way, we're not gonna pray in our church, our locations. We're gonna go into our community and into public parks and we're gonna pray for revival over our entire community. I think God's gonna do it in our life. But it all starts in prayer. Prayer changes things, but most of all, it changes me. So we wanted to change the world out there and God's saying, I want you to pray so it could change the world in here. So we get before God and it changes us and it changes us from the inside out. That is why God tells us to pray for our enemies, by the way. He's very, very sneaky. Because you think he wants you to pray for your enemies to change them. <laughs> and God said, no, I want you to pray for them because I know it'll change your heart towards them. So one of the best things you can do when you're, when you're arguing with your spouse is just take a minute and pray. Pray for your spouse. Why? When you pray for them, God is, he's so quick to remind me of how I'm wrong and my wife is right. It's frustrating. Prayer changes things. That's why we are a church that believes in the power of prayer. That's why we are a pray first culture. That's why we wear these little orange bands all over. And if you don't have one, you're going to get one on the way out today. Because prayer is our first response, not our last resort. Prayer is our steering wheel. It is not our spare tire. Prayer is the first thing we do, not an afterthought of our lives. So when we come into a situation, we don't know what to do. We pray about it. And prayer guides our our life, not we do our stuff, we get ourselves in a mess, and then we go back to prayer and go, God, get me out of this mess. So we're going to change it around. So our world is in chaos. What are we going to do? We're going to pray. We're going to be a praying church. And let me tell you, prayer is the most powerful thing you're going to do as a believer. You're going to learn to commune with God and intercede on behalf of a lost and dying world. Prayer is powerful and it works and this thing will change your life. If you don't have your band anymore, you grab one on the way out and people ask you, what is it for? You go, it keeps me out of jail. It keeps me holy. I'm gonna make sure. I'm, a, I'm more like Jesus because I'm praying first. Come on, I, I like it that it's on the hand that you text with. Just read, look, every time before you go on social media, you just look at that and you go, oh, Oh, I shouldn't post that, should I, right now? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray first. Here's the second thing we're going to do. Is that, what does he say? You're, gonna, you're just going to pray. You're going to praise. We're going to praise. We're going to be a place of worship. I love it that our Radiant Collective team, our worship team, they did a Friday night. They, they recorded our first live recording. It was, I'm telling you, I was in the room. It was powerful. These songs are straight from the throne room of heaven. A lot of them are just straight, straight scripture. I love it. And I'm telling you, we are a church that believes in the power of worship. 
giving God the praise he deserves. So we're gonna gather, not just at 6 a.m., we're gonna gather on Wednesday night, and we have three different locations for it. And I want you at a location on Wednesday night, and it might be a little longer worship than you're comfortable with. Good, it's not about you, it's about Jesus. We're gonna make it all about him. And by the way, we're going to have a special service just for our kids. Because our kids, we're going to believe God that the the Lord is going to encounter our children in a real dynamic way. And they're going to give their life to the Lord. Amen? So you need to be there Wednesday night. It's going to be awesome. Then number three, he says, then you've got to repent. What does repentance mean? It's turn from personal sin. He says, listen, they're going to pray. They're going to praise. But they're going to repent. Repentance is the fruit of a life really transformed by God. So repentance is is truly the idea that, you know what, I'm no longer going to live for myself. I'm going to live the way God wants me to live. So So we're in this, and we're coming in on on, on, uh, 6 a.m., and we're going to Wednesday night, and we're showing up on Sunday mornings. We're going, God, what is it that you want to change in my life today? Because I don't know about you. I want to look more like Jesus a week from now than I do right now. And that should be the mark of your life, that you look more like him now than you did a year ago we got to be that church that's continually going, God, how do I get more and more like you? And the way we do that is through repentance. The Bible actually uh, calls it practicing the fruit of repentance. What in my life can I let go of so I can turn to God? And and that's a life that we're living. And number three and number four is then we're going to grow. We're going to grow together. We're going to grow. And my my way of doing this is we're going to get involved in a radiant group this semester. And you're going to be in a group that challenges you. And you're, you're going to grow. And my real challenge for you is, if you've not done foundations, do foundations. Yes. Find a way to get some deep theology in your life. You need some roots in our world today. Yes. And you need to have some roots in what does God say about you. And by the way, I'm excited to announce, because we've done foundations now for one year. And so we, had, uh, we ask everybody, go through it for a year. And so if you've not gone through it, you need to go through it this year. Um, so it'll start in September so we had about 850 people complete the first uh, year of it. It's amazing what God's done. And by the way, a lot of those people, you need to be leading the foundations table this next semester. So be doing it. It's a big deal. But it's the, the first time that we're ever taking the curriculum, and we've been working on it all summer long, and we have now adapted it and got it ready for our Radiant Kids, ladies and gentlemen. So Radiant Kids will have a Wednesday night experience starting in mid of September, mid-September, that'll bring them through the foundation's material. It's called Epic. It's going to be amazing. And you'll want your kids a part of it because it's going to be a discipleship program for our children in our church. We're going to raise them up in the way that they should go. Can I hear an amen today, church? So we're going to grow together. Create a circle this week. And let me get everybody's attention at every location. Get serious with God. This is your moment. This is your time to say, God, if you don't change anybody else, change me. Let us start with me this week. What happens in this part? He says, you're going to hear from heaven and you will forgive the sin of your servants. Here's the last thing. Number three, it's that when we do our part, God does his part. So I know a lot of you, it's it's a sacrifice and it's taking a step of faith it's taking a step to show up at 6 a.m. It's, it's a sacrifice to get on a Bible reading plan. It's a sacrifice to start giving to God. It's a sacrifice to make Sundays a priority. It's a sacrifice. I understand that. But I want to encourage you today. Let me tell you, God will do his part when we do our part. Amen. We see this word, by the way, I did a study on it. We, do this, we see this word if, if, 
1,600 times in the scriptures. 1,600 times. A few hundred of them are connected with the, the clause, if then, if then. God says, if you do this, then I'll do this. It, it's Deuteronomy. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow his commands. He says, then, as I commanded you today, he says, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. If you do it, God will do it. God's got something big in store for your life. But here's what I want you to know. You got to do your part. You, you got to show up. You got to do your part. You got you to activate yourself to say, you know what, God, if I do my part, I know you'll come through. And he's faithful to do his part. When we do the possible, God does the impossible. I wrote it down this way. When we do the natural, God releases the supernatural. You can't fix that marriage. You can't get healing in, that, in your mind. You can't overcome that bad doctor's report on your own. On. You, you can't beat that addiction. You've tried. Yeah. If you, it, you can't do it on your own. But that's why we partner with God. We do our part. God does his part. And I really believe that when we show up in our weakness, God shows up in his power. When we bring our little, God brings his big. And how many know his big is able to be sufficient to do whatever we need in our life? So I'm calling our church today. Seven days. Consecrate yourself. For the Lord's about to do something big in our midst. We're about to walk into what I believe is the greatest season of harvest and life change going into September, going into October. I believe we're going to see if not hundreds, if not hundreds, if not thousands of people come to know Jesus. Lives forever changed. Disciples made in foundations and in radiant groups. We're set up now better than ever before to see lives change for Jesus. But what a shame it would be if they walk in this place and they encounter a half-hearted, compromised, weak representation of the body of Christ. Let us start with us, God. Why don't you stand all over the place? Nobody moving around. We're about to baptize people. Which, by the way, if you are getting baptized, you can be released at all of our campuses. We celebrate you. We want you to get ready. But I don't want anybody moving around. This is such a big moment right now. We don't have space. I wish we did. <laughs> I thought about it. I get my creative mind moving. I don't have a lot of creativity up there, but I get it moving a little bit going, what if we gave everybody hula hoops and they all sit in a circle? And <laughs> just imagine it happened, okay? If your friends ask you, just tell them it happened. It's cool, all right? No, don't say it. You don't know my past. I grew up in Pensacola in the 90s. And uh, my church went through five years of real, legit, amazing revival. I mean, it was unbelievable. Um, where the world came and saw. I think millions of people came from all over the globe for it. But this is before social media. Before, like, and now it got weird. And there's weird stuff that happened. And flush gets involved. But I'm telling you, I remember being a teenager, 13, 14, 15 years old, sitting in that service. And the presence of God would come into that room. Like, you, you can't explain it. 
I remember, I remember vividly watching a guy who was a drug dealer walk into that service, take all of his drugs and lay it on the altar and give his life to Christ and seeing that same guy get baptized and go into full-time ministry. I've seen it happen. I'm telling you, I don't know what you think we're trying to do here at Radiant Church. This is not supposed to be safe Sunday experience for like the believers to come in together. We're supposed to be mobilizing an army to advance the kingdom of God across our community. Now I'm telling you, Radiant, I'm ready for it. I'm ready to have a moment like, like, like George Whitfield and John Wesley and they had and, and with moments where, where cities were transformed. I think of the Welsh revival where, where, where a group of people started to pray and through that, 100,000 people get saved and it starts revival that spreads all over the world. I, I think of the revival that happened in New York City. Six people got together and started praying. And this revival, over the next two years, over a million people came to know the Lord in New York City. I'm telling you, it's happened throughout history. God is gracious and merciful to say, listen, if you pray, if you consecrate yourself, if you repent of your sins, I'll hear from heaven, I'll forgive your land, and I'm telling you, God's not done with our nation yet. So Lord, we come to you right now. Come on, church, let's do it. We draw a circle around ourselves and say, God, let it begin with me. Lord, what attitudes, what behaviors, what have I done? Lord, that is keeping you from moving in my life. God, I wanna surrender fully, completely to your will, to your plan. We say God is a church, no matter the cost, no matter the consequence by life or by death, we belong to you. We're fully surrendered to you. Can we have a moment in our campuses right now as the worship team's leading us on the stage? Can we have a moment of worship to say, God, yet again, we give you everything. We lay everything down. Let this week mark our life like never before. In Jesus' name, we pray. Come on, let's sing it together, church. God loves you. He has a plan for your life. We've all sinned. Our sin separates us from God. It separates us from that purpose. So what do we do about that sin? You can't work yourself out of it, give yourself out of it, hope yourself out of it. You can only surrender yourself out of it. To say, God, by faith, I'm giving you my life. I'm giving you my sin. I'm giving you my issues. 
It's called being born again. It's actually saying, God, I want a total fresh start. And only Jesus can give you that. That's why he went to that cross 2,000 years ago for your sins and for mine. Now the ball's in your court. Will you surrender your life to him? Spirit of God is here right now. He's pulling on some hearts right now going, this is your day to go all in. That's what it's all about. Saying, God, I'm going all in with you. If that's you today, you've never given your life to the Lord. or It was a long time ago. Maybe, maybe you just had to, haven't followed him the way you should. This is your moment of salvation. If that's you on the count of three, I want you to throw that hand up. Wave it at me. Put it right back down. And we're going to pray for you right there in that seat. We're not going to call you out, but this is a moment with you in Jesus right now. Ready? One, two, three. Come on, throw those hands up at all of our campuses. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you at Brandon. Thank you at North Tampa. Clearwater at the Heights. St. Pete. So many people with their hands raised. Let's all pray this prayer out loud together. Say, dear Jesus, today I give you my life. Forgive my sin, my past, my present, and my future. And for the rest of my life, I'm going to follow you. Be my Lord and be my Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that believes it says, come on, let's celebrate those who just made the best decision ever.